All right. Um, it's now not 49. It's 50 people who were slaughtered in the mosque in Christchurch. And so I'd like us just to pray. They say that on an average, when one person dies, there's 10 immediate, but 100 people per person that is like is closely affected uh, by that. So there's thousands, but it, it's something worldwide. And um, on fr- early Friday morning, probably at 3 o'clock in the morning, I w- woke up because my dog has to pee at stupid times in the morning. And so just checking Twitter, I actually saw the feed uh, of when the gunman went in. And I, I still can't get that out of my head, but it's just, as Christians... As people of the way, people of the kingdom, we love Muslim people. And we don't build walls, and we don't, we're not against immigration. And the rhetoric of politics around the world definitely needs to change. Uh, it's not just, you know, radical Muslim extremists. It's like the white race crackers that is not kingdom of God, that, that, are, that, that are talking about uh, other cultures, other faiths. And it's just... It's just not right, right? So then a guy comes into a, a mosque and mows down, literally, with people in the corner hiding, just stands there and takes them out, not even defending themselves. What a coward, eh? So let's pray. Let's pray for the, for the church in New Zealand that they would just, like, rise up, you know? It's like, now's the time. Love, love those Muslim neighbors. Love the Muslim community in New Zealand. And... Um, you know, someone needs to shut Donald Trump's mouth sometime. And I uh, have no bones about that. Just the rhetoric of hate and division needs to end. If you're a Republican, that's fine. I'm happy that you're, you're in this room. But there's some things that are just not helping. But let's, let's pray for New Zealand. Can we do that? Can we just take a moment? Can you just, like, lift your hand if you feel comfortable? If, if you don't, fine. But just lift your hand and, and let's just collectively pray for healing on that nation. Father, we bring you New Zealand right now. And when we think about the damage that has been done, uh, God, you, th- this is the time where we, the prayer of faith is very, very real. Would you come in and do something supernatural in the nation of New Zealand? Thank you for the church in New Zealand. I know there's YWAM bases and churches all across that nation. May they rise up and just be a voice of love and acceptance. Lord, would you help us understand that uh, Islam is not the enemy of Christianity. It's not. You said that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. It. There's, there's no external enemy that's going to hurt the church. It's us when we think that we shouldn't love people the way that need, they need to be loved. So would you be with those who are mourning, be with leadership, be with, be with leaders around the world. Uh, may something great come out of this. And so put your spirit on that nation, put your spirit on the church to just to stand up and love the people that are in so much pain right now. And so, Father, we pray this in, in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I'm really glad you're here. So this is a, a session on hurt and character. So what I want to talk about is, can you, and if you're taking notes, that's fine. Does anybody need a pen? I got one pen, a free pen that you can use. Oh, there's a whole bunch of pens. Any, anybody need a pen? Anybody want a pen? pen? A pen? Anybody need a pen? Okay. Great. You can grab one for free later. So what we're talking about is, and, and here's the truth is that all of you in this room, 
will experience hurt. I'm not a prophet, but I know this. Each and every one of us in this room will experience some kind of pain and hurt in your life. But here's the other side to it, is that you will also hurt someone. Hurt is part of our life, but it with hurt, it's what do we do with that? What do we do with the pain? What do we do with the hurt? And how will that affect us? So what I want to do is this. I want to take you on a journey. Okay, I want you to catch this, everyone. I want to take you on a journey that at the moment of hurt, if we do not choose to forgive as leaders, if you do not choose to forgive as students and young adults, what will happen to you if you choose to ignore the hurt and what's the role that you'll take and what's the path that will happen to you? And so this really is a conversation about forgiveness, bitterness, and what happens in our lives when we do not validate our hurt and attack it. Um, I love doing new things. Um, I love experiences. Anybody like a new experience, whether it's food? Okay, I'm, I'm a food. I love food. I love coffee. I love those kind of experiences. I know my body, my body looks like it's made for luxury. You're right. It is. It's made for luxury. Um, but you might be surprised, but I actually love hiking and camping. And this is a, a picture. It's a really bad picture because from here to there to there, it doesn't look that good. But this is something called the West Coast Trail. Does anybody know or heard of the West Coast Trail? The West Coast Trail is a trail on the west coast of Vancouver Island. It's, it's a little under 80 kilometers. It takes about five days to do it. And so I've done this twice. I'm going to do it again in two years. Actually, this summer, I'm going to go to Great Bear Slave Lake and go hiking and stuff up there. I just love new experiences. And when, I, when I'm experiencing something new, it's like my mind explodes. You know, it's like the first time whale watching. Anybody whale watch here? On, first time whale watching and um, like an orca or a kill, killer whale crests right beside your boat. It's just like, I'm like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. I just want to jump out. I just want to swim with them. Hug them and love them. I just want to be there. I mean, just my, it's mind-blowing. And so this is an environment called the Clackwat Sound. Anybody hear that? Clackwat Sound? Maybe it's new. First time. That's fine. So it's an environment. And so the first time I did the West Coast Trail, uh, I did with, with my two kids. I have two grown, grown children, 22 and 26. One's married, one's not, my son. And... Um, We're sitting on the beach on one day, just taking a break. And we're looking up in the sky and we see this bald eagle, just like massive. Like it looks like he could swoop down and grab my daughter and just take her. It's just like a massive, like bald eagle just floating in the air. And we're just like, oh, that's awesome. It's beautiful. All of a sudden we hear the splash in the water. And there's um, a sea lion, maybe about 20 or 30 yards from the shore, just bobbing its head, just checking out these three white crackers on the beach. You know, it's like, what are you doing here? This is my my zone, my land. And then maybe about a minute after that, we hear this, guess what it was? Whales, breaching, a couple hundred yards out. So there's this bald eagle, there's this sea lion, and then there's these whales. And I was just like, What? Are you kidding me, God? This is amazing. I love it. And what an environment to be in. You know, just like an amazing environment. And here's what I propose to you. Is that each of you in this room, you are also an environment. The way that you live your life, the way that you deal with 
hurt, pain, frustration, will do something to your soul and to your spirit that will create an environment. And you have to ask yourself this. What kind of environment do I want to be like? Do I want to be an environment that is drama-filled? You know what I mean by that? Drama? Do I want to be a person that there's drama around me all the time and there's problems and situations? Or do I want to be someone, do I want to be a leader with a drama-free environment? I want you to remember that. You are an environment. What is the environment that you are bringing into relationships, into churches, into your youth group, into future churches, into future leadership? And that will depend. The environment that you are going to be at R will depend on how you deal with hurt in your life. So there's a scripture verse that I want. Uh, so just your environment. There's a scripture verse that I'm going to use for this session. And it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. And it's from the ESV, and this is what it says. And there's two environments here. The first environment is this. That the first environment is that you are someone who's going to strive for peace. There's three things. Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness. So number one is the peace. Number two is someone that believes in the holiness. With which no one will see the Lord. And then see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. So there's three things that need to be in your life if you want a drama-free zone, is how I call it. Is that you're someone who strives for peace. A. You strive for peace. That means that you want your relationships to be tidy. You don't want unbroken relationships. You'll do everything that you can to make sure that you have strong, healthy relationships. It says, strive for peace and for the holiness. What does that mean in relationships? It means this. is If I'm with someone else sitting in a room and someone talks about someone else and they're not there and it's negative or it's gossipy, the, holiest, the holiness means that because I believe in holiness of relationships, that if someone is going to talk about Peter, I'm going to shut that down. Peter's not here. Why are we talking about him? This is gossip. Strive for that. Then it says this. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That's the third thing. To have a drama-free zone. Could you imagine what that would be like? Like when people come into the environment of Doug Frederick, do they understand peace? Do they understand holiness? And do they really actually, will they be able to understand a little bit more the grace of God? Isn't that how we want to live? Like, is it either like a King Baby Doug or Arrogant Doug or Prideful Doug? No, I want people to experience the grace of God. And so the author says that if the environment you want is drama-free, strive for those things. Then he says there's another environment. And that's what the author calls... An environment of bitterness. So you can either be drama-free, or you can have the environment of someone who's bitter. How do you get bitter? By not dealing with hurt. By not dealing with things that have been done to you that have hurt your soul and hurt your spirit. And so, what I want to do is I want to take you on a path. Is everyone still okay? You're with me? What I want to do is I want to take you on a path in this session of what happens when we don't deal with hurt. Can you be a leader and be hurt at the same time? You can for a while, but if you don't deal with hurt as a leader, it will become your character. You will become salty, 
crusty, angry, and a leader that's just going to really screw up a lot of people's lives, period. So let's look at this. Okay, I want to look at this scripture with you. And I'm going to give you three definitions of what bitterness is. And then I'm going to go a little bit deeper into the text. Okay, so everyone with me? We're now going down a road of if I don't deal with my hurt as a leader, as a student, as a grade 10, 11, 12, as an adult, where will that take Let me just give you three definitions of bitterness. The first definition is this. The effect of wounds not attended to. It's the effect of wounds not attended to. I've come to this realization that I've been around for a while. I'm 51 years old. I don't feel 51. I know, right? Wow, old. I feel like I'm 21, just like Mark. We both feel like we're 21. We've got the world to conquer, but it affects us like sometimes. When we wake up, it's like, oh, what's, oh that's my back, and oh, that's my knee, and oh... That's my brain. Okay. I found this as a 51-year-old that I have to deal now if there's something that happens to me through someone else, if I feel hurt, immediately, immediately, I have to start the work of forgiving someone. As soon as I feel hurt, it's got to be, okay, God, I need the grace of God to forgive because I know where it goes. I know where my heart will go. And I don't want to lead. I don't want to be a husband, a father, a leader. A pastor, someone who works here, with a crusty, salty spirit. So it's the effective wounds not attended to. Here's another general definition. It's the festering, unforgiven offenses. Festering, unforgiven offenses. You know, it's like when you have a scab or something, you know? I know this is a little bit gross, but... You know, when you're younger, guys, you've all done this. There's a scab, and then you pick it. And then you take it some more because it's fun. And then it heals over and then you take it again. I know some of you eat that stuff. It's kind of disgusting and gross. That's very disgusting. Don't do that. But it's like, it's something that festers. When we, when we are hurt, remember what we're, what we're doing. I'm taking you down a road of what happens when we don't forgive. When we don't deal with the hurt. How do you know that maybe you haven't dealt with stuff in your life? If you have a... A digital recording in your head that goes something like this. Why did they do that to me? I did not deserve that. How come that happened? They should have done that. I don't deserve that. Why did they do that to me? I didn't should. Why did they do that? I don't deserve that. How come they did that to me? If you have a digital recording that goes like that in your head all the time, that's a pretty good indication that there's unforgiveness in your life. That there's, there's some deep hurt that you have not yet dealt with. And as leaders... We have to deal with those hurts. Here's another general definition of bitterness when we get hurt. It's the infection of the heart. It's going to rob you. It will rob your life. It will strip you of joy, of exuberance. It will just pull and suck the life right out of you. I've been hurt. What do I do? Do I hold on to that? Am I going to get back at someone? No, you don't get back at anybody by holding hurt. What it does is that it's going to hurt you. My wife, Shelly, we lived in Calgary for 10 years. Any Calgarians in the room? Two? What? Is there anybody? Okay, I know there's four semi-Calgarians in the room. Go Flames. Um, It will rob you. So my wife, Shelly, she's in the hospital in Calgary. And she's getting, I think it's her gallstones out. I just know that if you have stones in your body, you don't want your stones in there. So you got to get rid of stones. So my wife was getting rid of her stones. And my habit as 
pastor and just not even a husband. When I go to the hospital and pray for someone, I'll always try to catch someone else's eye if I could pray for them. So I pray for my wife and see you, babe. Love you. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hope you get out sometime. sometime. And then I walk to the next, walking out of the room, and there's a, a dude sitting on the bed. And this guy, you know how some people have just really nice beards? I, you know, like well-groomed. This guy was not that guy. Okay? This guy was like, it was like, I'm sure he had a, a marijuana grow up in there. Because it was just like huge, it was massive. He was probably making money in there, hiding something. There was probably like little animals in, in that beard. Um, there was no Bible in that beard. But there was like just, you know, like he just looked like he was from southern Alberta in the mountains. He was a, he was a hermit. He just lived in the bush his whole life. He just like, he just like one of those guys. And so I forget his name, but I'll just call him William. I said, hi, uh, I'm, my name's it's my wife. I'm, can I pray for you? I was, ah, yeah. Actually, yeah, that, that, would be, that would be very nice. So as soon as I walked in the room, I noticed he was sitting on the bed, and I noticed that his one leg was empty. He was missing a leg. I mean, it's pretty obvious why he's there. And I just said, William, can you wanna, how can I pray for you? What's happening in your life? And so this is what he said. He said... And I was right. He did live in the mountains. He did live by himself. And he said he had a sore. Something happened to his leg. And it was, it was a wound. And he said that he dressed it, forgot about it. But then he said he picked it. And eventually what happened is because he didn't want to go to the government and doesn't want to go to hospitals. They're all, there's conspiracy theories all around he found that when he started to dress his wound, that there was a smell on the wound. And eventually, after two or three weeks, he left that too long, and it became gangrenous. Like, it became an infected wound on his leg. So that by the time he went to the hospital, the doctor said, William, we have to amputate your leg. We don't have a choice. You know, you think with technology... Things, but he was leg was amputated. And here's the thing about hurt, is that if we do not deal with hurt, it it will rob you of your life. It will something in your heart and your spirit will be amputated. It it, it robs you. It 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 will affect you. It, your heart will get gangrenous. And so those are just general definitions. Now let's look at the text. Okay, can we do that? Can we look at the text. Are you still with me? Okay, let's look at the text. Um, Hebrews 12, 14, and 15. There's really four things. And I just want to go a little bit deeper, and then I'm going to let you go. We're not, it shouldn't be too long. Here's what the text says of Hebrews 12, verse 14 and 15. Get it. Remember what we're doing? I'm taking you down a road that if we're hurt and we don't deal with the hurt, what will happen? This is what the author says. Uh, that bitterness is beneath the surface. Where do I get that? The scripture says that it is a root and see, this is what happens. Is that when you get hurt, and you don't deal with it, and it festers, and you don't want to deal with it, and you think about it, here's what, here's what takes place. It will eventually become who you are. Bitterness, crustiness, saltiness will be actually be your character. You will become just like that. Has anybody met someone that's older? That they're just salty and crusty and grouchy. It just seems like all the time. Anybody? Anybody? Here's here's what I believe about that. I just think it's 
It's complete nonsense. Especially as someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, what I believe, I mean for my life, as I'm getting older, I should be more grace-filled. I should be more full of peace. I should be more full of mercy. But we meet these people in our lives and we, they're just like, you know, they're just like a pillar of salt. Every time that they walk, they're just like, they're just mean and crusty. That is not the way of the kingdom. Something has happened in that person's life and they haven't dealt with hurt. It gets underneath the surface. And let me, let me just say this. I, I, I no longer give those people a pass. I'm like, what happened to you? Why are you so mean? Why are you so crusty and rude? Here's another thing that the author says, because it actually becomes your character. It is the sudden, unpredictable manifestation. This is what the author says. It says bitterness will spring up. It'll just just spring up. Maybe this is you. Maybe this is a friend of yours. But you might know someone, like let's say a situation is like a grain of sand size, okay? But they want to deal with the situation with a cannon, right? It's just like, here's the situation, and the, the way they respond is just like, boom, boom, just emotional. Like just, it's like, it's really not that big of a deal. What is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. The author of Hebrews says that maybe there's something inside, maybe there's a hurt, a wound that hasn't been dealt with. Because it, it will spring up. It will, it, like anger will just become huge in that person's life. Here's another thing that the author says of Hebrews. It's destructive. It's going to cause trouble. I'll just say this. If you don't deal with hurt, if you don't deal with pain, if you don't deal with what someone has done to you, maybe I won't say it. I'm going to say it's going to cause problems. You're going to cause problems in your home. You're going to cause problems in your youth group. You're going to cause problems at your place of work. What you do is you blame everyone else. What's the organization? Or it's the church? Or it's my boss? Or it's my manager? It's not the manager. It's not the boss. It's not the organization. It's you. Because your heart it's full of gangrene. You can't think right, respond right, be right. That's what happens to us when we have hurt and we don't respond properly. Is that it? It's destructive, and the result is we will cause trouble. You will cause trouble. It's not your mom and dad. Maybe it is. Most of the time, it's not your mom and dad. It's something has happened to you and you've, you, you haven't given this over to God and you're causing trouble. Here's, here's another thing. is It affects others. The author of Hebrews says, By many become defiled. You know what grudge holders and hurt holders want? They don't want to get healed right away. They just want possibly other people to believe the same things that they're mad about. They just want a group of people to be mad about the same things and be upset about the same things. That is not the way of the kingdom of God. And that's what bitterness will do to us. There's one other scripture that I want to talk about just really quickly, and that's that's the scripture of Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Now, this is the story of the unforgiving servant. Has anybody heard this one? Unforgiving servant, right? There's a king. I'll, just, I'll give you the story really briefly. There's a king, 
and a servant. And the servant sees the king. And the servant owes the king a lot of money. In fact, the Bible says, I think it's 30 denarii or something. 30 denarii or something. But I know in today's money, it's about $300,000. And so what does the king do? The king forgives the servant of that $300,000. Could you imagine that? I owe someone $300,000 and they're like, Doug, you know what? Go about your life and do good and I'm going to forgive you that $300,000. What that should do to me? I would be like walking on cloud nine. But the story doesn't go like that. What happens? The story goes that servant who is forgiven of the $300,000 finds another friend of his and the friend owes him money. And this is in real life, in real time, in real money. This is how much he would owe him. Ten grand. Huh, think about that. Three hundred thousand, ten grand. And what does that servant do? I love the Bible. I love the Bible. It's so awesome. It says that he choked the guy out. Like literally choked him out. It's like I put my he put his arms around that guy's throat, and it's like, you wicked dude, I'm gonna put you in jail. You suck. I'm gonna destroy your family for ten grand when he was just forgiven of three hundred thousand. This is what's shocking about this story. It's shocking how serious God does take forgiveness. It's shocking how serious God does take forgiveness. So I have this hurt. What do I do, Doug? Forgive. Matthew 18, in that same chapter, at the end of the chapter 18, it said, forgiveness comes from the heart. It means it's not just like, Today I forgive. No, it's like this process. It's shocking how serious God takes forgiveness. Let me, let me just say this about that. Uh, I'm, I'm the director of the pastoral theology program here. Love working here. But I'm also a pastor at Christian Life Assembly in Langley. So my schedule is busy. On a Sunday morning I'm there at 7.30 to 1. I go home for an hour. I come back for Sunday night church. I lead something called Recovery Church. We have 230 addicts every Sunday night. Families of addicts. Addicts that are free from addiction. And if there's a lot going on, there's a lot of people I talk to, there's a lot of situations that happen, I go home and I'm tired. Could you imagine throwing into that day me being angry and bitter at someone? Could you imagine, like, hatred towards someone? Not living right, my heart not right? Listen, I'll just say this, students. Here's the truth. You were not made. You were not created. You do not have the capacity to live with unforgiveness and hurt and bitterness in your life. You don't have it. God has so much for you. He's got so many things for us to do and we shouldn't be holding our hurt, grudging our hurt, loving it, caressing our hurt, keeping it. He wants us to get rid of the hurt. It's such an amazing story. Here's another thing. It's shocking how petty unforgiveness seems to God. It's really shocking. I... Because the king found out about the servant not forgiving the other servant. What? What? Did I just three hundred grand and ten grand, and you never forgave. Here's the last thing. It's shocking how much different we are from God when it comes to the issue of forgiveness. In that chapter, Matthew eighteen, Peter, who I love, Peter, he's like, so Jesus, like, how often do we forgive? A few times. And then if they don't forgive, just like screw them and may they go to hell. Or take, take them to Sheol. What does Jesus say? No, Peter. It's not a few times. What does he say? Does anybody know? 
70 times 7, Peter. And I think the number that Jesus threw out, it could be anything. It could be like 80 by 80 or 300 by 300. I think Jesus just wanted him to get the, the meaning that, no, you don't stop forgiving. You, you are someone of forgiveness. I'm going to tell you a story right now. How long does this go till? 3.30? 4? I'll have you out before 4. Way before 4. I'm just going to tell you a story. And I, every time I talk about forgiveness, I pause on this, but I know that it's something I should share. It's something because I'm on the other side. I'm free from it. And the reason why I tell you this is because I know that if there's some kind of hurt in your life and you're working through it, God can heal you. He's, he's good at that. He's good at that. When I was 12 years old, um, a guy in our family, his name was also Deb. He was dating my cousin. They're going to get married that summer or the fall. And um, so he invited me. He said, hey, I'm going to go camping in Shushwap. Anybody know Shushwap? Camping? Scotch Creek area? Okay, Provincial Park, north. That's awesome. Beautiful place. And so my mom and dad said, yeah, you can go camping. That'd be great. So I bought a new bike, got in the truck. He had a boat, water skiing, love water skiing, Shushwap. I mean, no greater, Copper Island. And for that week, this family friend, I was sexually abused by this family friend for the week that we camped together. When I got home at the end of that week, it's very clear in my mind, because here's another truth, um, students, is that the things that happen to us you're not going to forget them. It's hard to forget it. What forgiveness means is that we're just not going to use them against someone. We're going to let them go. We're going to, we're going to be healed for that. So at the end of that week, I went home and remember my mom saying to me, how's camping? First thing when I saw her, it's okay. Would you go again? I don't, I don't know. I missed you and mom, you and dad, and it's fine. And I remember my mom saying to me, did he, did he do something to you? And of course, what I did, full of shame, I lied to my mom. And we moved on. And I stuffed that week, a part of my life. I tried to forget about it. Didn't deal with it, just tried to forget about it. I'm married to uh, an amazing, beautiful girl named Shelly. And I have two grown kids, but at this time my kids were like... My son was just born. My daughter was probably about seven years old. Probably about five years into marriage, I started to get really angry. Really mad. Like, I would, I would be, like, changing a light fixture in our bathroom, and the screwdriver would go off the screw, and I would just take that screwdriver, and I just, I, I remember it because I'd just throw it down into the sink, and it was a porcelain sink, and the, you know, the porcelain sink chipped in a bunch, bunch of places, and every time I brushed my teeth after that, I'd be looking at this chip going, Doug, you're such an idiot. to be like, son of a mother's daughter. I just throw it down. I'm just so mad. Don't worry, I didn't swear. I just said, it's a son. That's about it. That's all that says. But I would, I would punch the wall and kick the wall. And I just, I just, I, I didn't know what was going on. There was just, there would just be anger that would be coming out of, out of my heart. And finally, Shelly said, Doug, you need help. You, you have to. Talk to someone. You've got to deal with whatever it is. And remember, I've, I've stuffed this this week. A long time ago, forgot about it, just stuffed it, just didn't want to deal with it. 
And so the person that I was, I was a youth pastor in Kelowna, and my pastor's name is Fred Fulford. And I went to Fred, and I just said, Fred, I, I need help. I'm, there's something broken in my spirit, and, and I, need, I need some help. And he said, Doug, the best thing you can do, this is what real men do. Guys, listen to me. This is what real men do. you got to go to a counselor. you got to get help. you you gotta, you got to dig and find out what's going on. Because can there be hurt in your life and a leader at the same time? Yeah, there can be hurt. But you got to make sure that you're dealing with the hurt. And so what I did, um, students and everyone in this room, I, I went to a counselor and I met with my pastor and I did the hard work of forgiving. For me, it was like, you know, you, you could break your bone. This was like a compound fracture. Like there, there's obviously something that was like, there's a bone sticking out, blood squirting everywhere. There's an issue in my life, and I need to get help. I don't need help with this part of my body. I need help with this compound fracture. And on the next two or three years, with counseling and prayer and Shelley and Fred Fulford, that bone got mended. I know it did. I did the hard work of forgiving. And that's why, don't let anybody tell you, you just forgive with the hurts in your life, and then you're good. No, it, it's going to come back, and you've got to remind yourself, and you've got to do the hard work. And so... We moved back to Langley, to BC, in 2016. 2014, I say to my wife, I say this. It's our holidays and our kids are older and they don't want to go on holidays with weird parents. So this is what I said. Let's go camping. Where do you want to go? I want to go to Scotch Creek. And she knew exactly what I meant by that. She's like, are you sure you want to go to Scotch Creek? Let's go to Scotch Creek. So that summer... Got our stuff, went to Scotch Creek, and I remember exactly where it was. I remember the exact spot, Rainbow Lane, Scotch Creek Provincial Park. We set up our, our gear, Shelly and I walked there, and I just remember walking into that spot and standing in that camping spot and thinking about when I was 12. You know what happened to me? I didn't cry, and I wasn't happy. I wasn't emotional, and I wasn't angry. Life because I believe this that God healed that hurt in my life. I'm saying that to you today, and I always stop and pause when I think about telling that story. This is that's my story. I, please understand, I do not say that for like manipulation's sake. There's, there's nobody in this room. Why would I manipulate? I don't say that for manipulation's sake or emotional sake. I say that because if you have hurt in your life, Jesus can heal that. Jesus can take that compound fracture, mend it, put a cast on, take it off, and years later, you can be at the exact spot that you were hurt and abused and broken. And you don't have to be emotional, you don't have to cry, because God is healed. God can do that for you. Can we be people who are in leadership and hurt? Yes. We will feel hurt. I get hurt maybe daily from people. People say things. People don't know what to say. They say stupid things. Hurt will come. But what you have to do as a leader and for your character, you don't want to be a leader that's like grouchy and salty and angry and mad and it's about you. And You don't want to do that. You want to be free. You want to be free. You want to have a soft heart and a clear mind and the right focus. So this is what I want to say. How, it's like, so what? What do we do about this? So one other thing. I want you to ask yourself these questions. Ask yourself, do, do I need to forgive anyone? Ask the Holy Spirit. 
Who do I need to forgive? Do you have grudges? Is there bitterness? You need to write their names down. You, you, you need to take responsibility for it. You know, you get to a certain age. You get 25. The age that I was, 26 years old when I started to get angry. You don't blame your parents anymore. You don't blame your perpetrator. You take responsibility for the way that your character is. You need to take responsibility. Then, I encourage you to do this. Find someone, maybe a youth pastor, maybe later this weekend, maybe a pastor or a counselor, and you need to tell them that you are going to choose to forgive that person in your life. You have to confide with someone to do that. Then, um, you need to walk that out. You need to be accountable to someone. You need to invite them into your life to help you be someone who's a forgiver. So why don't we just, why don't we do this? I know it's, it's not a church environment, but why don't we just take a moment? Why don't you just close your eyes? Why don't you just focus a little bit and just ask, ask the question, um, who do I need to forgive? And write that person's name down. Because I know the Holy Spirit will speak to you about that name or that person. We'll just pause like this for a minute or so. And if you're ready, if you hear a name, you need to write that name down. What kind of environment do you want to be? Do you want to be a drama-filled environment? There's always something going on in your life, some kind of drama. Some... Or do you want to be a drama-free environment where people attain the grace of God? Here's a prayer. Um, and maybe, again, just close your eyes, and I'm just going to read this prayer that might help you in how to, how to pray for forgiving someone. But now I choose to forgive who, blank, and release him or her into your care and accountability. I choose to bear the consequences of their sin against me without bitterness, knowing that you already paid for it on the cross. Please forgive me, for I have sought to protect my heart from being hurt again. I acknowledge that you alone are the protector of my heart, and I choose to trust you. Fill this area in my life with your Holy Spirit and heal this wound. Thank you for freeing me from the poison of bitterness. I relinquish my perceived right to seek revenge or blame this 
person for any dysfunction or present pain in life as I take responsibility for my own life choices. They owe me nothing. I ask you to heal my damaged emotions from this memory. And now I ask you to bless this person and pour your love into my heart for this person as I commit myself to follow you in any steps of reconciliation you ask me to take. Amen. Let me just pray for you, everyone. Father, I'm so grateful for these few moments that we could have together. Lord, it is shocking. It's amazingly shocking how serious you take forgiveness. Is Because you want us to be free. You want us to be free in our heart, in our mind, in our soul, in our spirit, and how we treat people and how we respond and how we live. You, you, you just want us to live clean and whole. I thank you for every student. I thank you for every young person. I thank you for every adult in this room. Lord, help us to take responsibility, to take the hurt that we receive and to do the kingdom thing. That's mm-hmm. forgive yeah. and walk towards wholeness. So help us in this. We need the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. We need you, God, so desperately to walk in wholeness and to live clean in our hearts and in our minds. Father, bless each one. Thank you. Give, Give everyone in this room great joy, even in the midst of, well, kind of a heavy discussion this afternoon. Give them a great dinner. Give them a great night. Give them a great tomorrow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said. Amen. Amen. Amen.